Welcome to the Fatty Z Musky Podcast. I'm Andy. Joined on the phone, I have Vance. Hi, Vance. Good evening. Uh, Todd is MIA tonight. So it's going to be Vance and I doing the Vance season roundup. I could probably do my season roundup too. It's not going to take long. (laughs) I could probably narrow it down to two words should I choose to really boil it down. But let's get through these plugs first. So this podcast is brought to you by Fatty Z Musky Products. FatAZMusky.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Much lesser extent, we're on Twitter. And what you can find right now on the Fat AZ Musky website is rod holders. It is past Christmas. How about your New Year's resolution is to get the best musky rod holders available on the market? That's right, folks. It's the Fat AZ bases with the down east holder themselves we have rail mounts we have you can bolt them on you have track mounts that they can slide in the track really convenient uh we have many many options to choose from to fit any need that you have i mean some of the craziest things we probably have a mount to make it work um feel free to reach out I'm more than willing to offer advice, and sometimes that doesn't mean it's always our product. I have no problem uh, recommending something that we don't build because that's just the kind of guy I am. I'm an honest, hardworking man. There There you go. I just sold myself. (laughs) Anyways, uh, the baits, real quick on the baits. We are working diligently. Musky Tackle Online should be up and running. Team Rhino Outdoors. I might have, in the next week or so, we might have a contest. Um, The single biggest order of AZ baits I've ever had to paint. One-time order. Uh, I'll probably do a contest. It'll be fun. But it has to do with their order. It should be going out by the time the next podcast drops. Not this one. The one after this. So it should be in the mail on its way enormous order so uh let's see from there let's uh you will definitely have some baits we will i should say uh at the musky max plus coming to you from cannonsburg pennsylvania that is march 7th and 8th vendors i don't know if there's any room left but if you're even considering it you might want to reach out at muskymax.com it's a very very great venue and very family-oriented. It's a great time. Um, part of the reason, you know, there's something about the Muskie Max that I like is it, like, signifies that spring is around the corner. And mm-hmm. part of that might be because, what do you think, it's about 100 miles south of here, Vance? Yeah, about 100. It's amazing the difference in climate just 100 miles south of where I live. I know, mm-hmm. Vance, you kind of grew up in it, but... I mean, we're not like frozen northern tundra, but they don't have near the snow. And they seem to be about 10 to 15 degrees warmer all the time. So when I go down there, it just feels like summer. There's hundreds of inches of difference in snow. That uh, is not a lie either. That is not a lie. 
hundreds of inches of snow. <laughs> there is. I, I, the funny thing is, is that is the it's absolute true. truth. It's true. So that's something I'm looking forward to. And believe it or not, that is like two months away. It's actually like two and a half months away, but I'm thinking in bait terms that I have two months to build because there is some curing time and some other stuff that go involved with that. But like it's like in two months. So mark your calendars. It's coming up very fast. You right. say it that way. It, 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 it uh, gets winter. Just makes winter seem very short, almost as short as summer, which is nice. I mean, essentially, I essentially we have three months left. Yeah, I mean, I used to have this um, saying in my head that it was like, once I get through February, it's like the, it's it's all you know, get through February and and you're and you're through. But like, I don't know. It it just seems kind of weird. But yeah, I mean, you got two hard months, and then you got March, which literally could could swing either way. But mm-hmm. that's like the light at the end of the tunnel, is that show. Yeah. You get through yeah. February. Yeah, you're going to have a couple more snowstorms here and there, but stuff starts breaking apart, at least in our mm-hmm. neck of the woods. And it's great. Mm-hmm. And what kicks that off is the Muskie Max Plus. There. Make, make sure you get there. It's a heck of a shop. Yeah, that's right. All right, Muddy Creek, how are you? Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, MC Fish and Guides. Give us a call, an email, uh, a Facebook message, uh, anything. Uh, to get a hold of us, any three of those platforms there. Um, we are fielding through inquiries every day. Uh, so just if you know when you're coming up, uh, get a hold of us for Chautauqua Lake. We're going to be fishing from May 30th till November 30th um, next year uh, up at Chautauqua Lake. Make sure uh, if you know when you're coming up, just get a hold of us. We're, we're booking up a couple. Like, every couple of days. I mean, we booked up trips today, yesterday, the day before, and it was uh, literally Christmas and we were um, fielding, fielding, um, you know, bookings on a major holiday. So just get a hold of us. We'd love the opportunity to get you out there. Uh, we'll work hard for you and make sure you have a uh, fun time out there on Chautauqua Lake. I know Todd's going to be doing uh, some early Pennsylvania fishing, uh, Lake Edinburgh, Pymatuming, um, Conneaut Lake uh, in May, maybe Lake Arthur. And so get a hold of them for that if you want to get out on a Pennsylvania lake early. Um, but once May 30th comes around, that's all daytime. It's time to get back up to Chautauqua and get serious. So I know I'm looking forward to it. I'm about 27 days off the water, um, and I can't wait for 2020. So get a hold of us, and uh, we'll do our best. That's all we can ask for. And when you come fishing with us, you'll be fishing out of Ranger Boats. Big shout-out to them for sponsoring this show and Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. Todd and I fish out of the Angler Series it is a wonderful boat uh, for trolling and casting uh, for the musky fish. Uh, that's why we choose those over the Fisherman series. We absolutely love them. Handles big water. Um, check them out. There's a show coming up. 
an open house, if you will, where they feed you and you can crawl through these boats. Could you walk if you wish? Oh, yeah. Walk, crawl, <laughs> jump. You can do whatever you want um, when you're in the market and you're at Vic Sports Center in Kent, Ohio. Their open house is going to be on the weekend of February uh, 26 and 27 at their place. Uh, they have two giant airplane hangers filled with boats. Um, that's going to be a fun thing. And like I said, they're Italians. They feed you. It's good home-cooked meals um, filled with millions of dollars of boats. They will have their uh, V-Ranger boat, Starcraft, Star Welds, their used inventory. Um, just check them out. It's a boat haven up there. Um, and winterization. Um, any type of service you need, check them out. They're fishermen. They do it the, the best in the industry. I've been through many in the past couple of years, uh, and they always set the boat up right. So check them out. Vic Sports Center, Ken, Ohio. Big shout out to them for sponsoring the show and our guide business. Um, also, you will, um, if you fish with us, You'll be using St. Croix Rods. Big shout out to them for sponsoring the show and Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. Uh, we use the trolling series this year a lot. We always use the uh, legend tournaments for for casting and the premieres for casting. Um, love those rods. But the, uh, the, the really cool thing to see this year was that Mojo uh, trolling series that they did. Very durable. No ceramic on the eyelets. Um, there's foam instead of cork. Uh, that cork tends to get beat up in those rod holders sometimes. Um, that foam is very durable, and you really don't care if it gets a nick into it because it kind of relaxes it back into its normal form. So check those out. Very durable. It's something that we used every day, and it stood the test of time. Um and I was literally out there for every day. So uh, check those rods out. On the end of those rods when I was trolling, generally, they were Baker Lures. Um, big shout out to him for sponsoring this show. Um, try to get a hold of his baits. He's going to be at the Ohio show, the Pennsylvania Muskie Max, and the New York Muskie Expo. Um, you guys pretty much know the deal. You've got to get there early to get a hold of those baits. But from the grapevine, I hear he is going to have baits every day at the show um, for Ohio this year. I know at the Muskie Max, we are going to have a special uh, of Freddie Mercury baits. We're going to have anywhere from 35 to 40 of them um, for a Chautauqua special. Uh, and you'll, uh, we'll, we'll post some pictures, check our social media outlets to see uh, what's in, in stock for those uh for that, that show coming up. Um, we're excited about it. And uh, like I said, Sports Act makes a hell of a bait. Excellent. Excellent. And Muskies, Inc. You know, a New Year's resolution should be, if you're not a member, become a member. I've been pounding hard the last few weeks. Get your calendar. You know, join. Got my calendar. Very, very nice. What's I, cool about the calendar, though, another thing that's cool about the calendar, we're talking about a calendar, but they have the moon phases, new quarters, all that stuff, but then they have all the shows 
that are in the off season, which is kind of neat um, on the dates there. That is extremely convenient. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so you can get that calendar by becoming a member of Muskie's Inc. So here's here's the lowdown. For like 45 bucks, the cost of a bait, you can have access to hundreds of thousands of muskies caught and voluntarily turned in into a database that can be broken down by bait. You can break it down by lake. You have all of this at your fingertips. So if you're going on vacation, maybe a musky vacation or a family vacation where you might have a day or two to fish, you can get some, you know, I mean, not everyone likes to take a guide trip. There's a little bit of pride that goes in with this, but having a little bit of back backdoor information isn't a bad thing. And this can be all at your fingertips by becoming a member. The other uh, fringe benefit of this is that you are now in the population that has one unified voice in this musky world, I guess I'm going to call this, to where you now have the power to help change laws, regulations, anything at the local level. Um, we've had uh, Jared Sayers on. He's talked about how Muskie Inc. has helped out the Pennsylvania stocking programs. Um, it can be, happen in your state as well. It's easy to sit back and bellyache if you don't like something. It's another thing to get out there and try to make a difference. And with Muskies, Inc., your efforts will go a lot further. So join Muskies, Inc., be part of your local chapter, take advantage of the tournaments, get your free calendar, and have all that power at your fingertips. There. Well made point. Excellent. One last thing, the live read. All right, I've had some people ask me through Messenger and other other forms the spelling of Oxit. Oxit, A-U-X-X-I-T. I'm going to tell you where you can find out more information on that. Once I get through this read, I will be reading it. Here we go. Oxit is a group chat room app optimized for communities that share a common interest and who buy and sell specialized items related to those interests. Imagine if you could combine the things you love about connecting on Facebook groups and peer-to-peer selling features of eBay in one app. Well, that's Oxit. Oxit is the best platform for passion-based communities that both that want to both interact and transact online. The community, the Muskie Exchange, will be the best mobile app to connect with other Muskie fanatics to discuss all things muskies and have access to various limited release muskie tackle oxit will have great promos giveaways and special deals on products from all the leading muskie tackle manufacturers as a thank you to this new community forming oxit is in its beta pre-launch phase which means you can help shape and build the app with your feedback and make the muskie exchange exactly what you want it to be Oxit can be downloaded from the Apple or Android app stores. Please find and join the Muskie Exchange after you create your profile. You can find out more information at www.oxit.com. A-U-X-X-I-T dot com. So, guys, girls, if you're looking for another way to interact with some people, not everyone's on Facebook, not everyone's on Instagram, not everyone's on forums, this is another way. It's trying to tie everything up in, 
into one nice little package. And it's not just muskies that can be uh, discussed or exchanged on here. There's a whole bunch of other categories, and it's still in its pre-release. So hop on, make your profile, join. And there might be some other thing you might be into. You know, are you into watches? Are you into Star Wars stuff? Things like that. So there's there's subgroups on there. Check it out. Okay. Tons of niche items. Cool place. Check it out. Perfect. All right. Vance, it's the last show of the year. It is. So let's let's do this. In one word, describe your season, and we're going to call it a year. Best. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Perfect. All right. We got a whole bunch of fun things, like different topic ideas that we want to do to wrap up up the year, and it's just we're running out of time. So we're going to hit up Vance's. Vance's year as what he calls best. He said one word. I know. You know, I had to use one word. I know. And it was a four-letter word. It wasn't even like a really complicated word. Mm-mm. All right. So Mm-mm. let's uh, – I imagine we're just probably going to talk about the guide guide season. So the uh, season started when? Uh, so in 2019, which it still is, but we can take a nostalgic look back to May uh, of 2019. And May was a very hectic month. Actually, January through May was really hectic for us, period. I mean, we were grinding like crazy to get... We're, we're essentially at the same place where we are right now. You think it's an off-season. It's really not an off-season. We're scrambling to get orders together. We are trying to have enough inventory to get through these shows and make the business profitable and handle all those things. That's essentially where we're at right now. So it was busy that whole whole time. Um, and Andy and I were at the forefront of it but as well. But uh, there was like one big thing that was happening uh, that was different from the uh, Andy and Todd um, is that I was planning a wedding in between all that. So that was completely insane. Um, I I do want to point out, I was not invited to this wedding. You were in the (laughs) the wedding. I was, I was a groomsman, but the wedding was like what? 1500 miles from home. Oh yeah. The wedding, the wedding was, well, yeah, we had two weddings essentially. We had one in Canada and, uh, up in Lake Louise. And then we came back to Pittsburgh to do the, uh, Reception. The celebration. And if anybody's ever getting married, that's the way to do it. Do something intimate with the family and like, you know, your your close blood. And then just do the party for the people that want to get hammered and eat. That's the way to do it. It was really nice. It was intimate. It was filled with love and just a lot of lot of fun stuff. Um and then it the the other part of it was just a party, you know, and, and that was uh um, that was the last time I drank whiskey, but very, 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 uh, fun to do it that way. We, like I we, said, we, we never really wrapped, you know, we never really talked about the wedding. I know we, we, we brought up that we should, 
Uh, did we? Yeah. We, we never did a wedding wrap up because right after that, you were gone for two weeks on a honeymoon. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it went right into the season. But I, I'm going to yeah, give some cliff notes of, oh um, of some of the stuff that I remember from the wedding reception. Uh, oh I, again, I was not involved in the actual the, the matrimony part. I was there for photographs, which as uh, Vance and the photographer, actually when Vance was looking at the photos that the photographer took, he made comments that, what did I look like? Uh, every photo, <laughs> every single photo, I had the yeah. exact same face, the hands the exact same way. They wanted everyone to be like silly, and I'm just standing there like this is my job to protect people. Mm-hmm. So he was ready. I, I was ready. Um, so some of these photos, like this, this was like the first thing that we kind of really did, uh, aside from the uh, text message. That was bring your fish cooler, not the big one, but the hundred quarter. Oh yeah. So I had to bring that down for for reasons that were beyond my grasp at the time, and uh, it was promptly filled with ice and a whole bunch of liquor. Which yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, some of that stuff remained in that cooler until I got home. Oh wow. What did you do with all that stuff? I think a lot of the other alcohol that like, like I forget what they all were. The beers and the wine coolers and stuff like that. Kara ended up giving to my in-laws, my brother-in-law. Um, I, I'm not sure, but I still think I have that bottle of whatever that is, that MMA fighter proper 12 or whatever. Wow. I think I still have it in our pantry. I'm going to have to nice. look. It, but long story short, I wasn't going to leave that party without my cooler, even though it was a $40 cooler that I talked about last year on the podcast. I wanted mm-hmm. that cooler. So I left oh, yeah. there and it was completely full. It was heavy. and But that cooler went all around Pittsburgh. And some of the stops that it made was at a place where no one really had a badge but they didn't really want us there underneath a bridge of sorts. Mm-hmm. And I remember that. You remember that. Um, I'm trying to remember what your dad said to me. Um, My dad says your, your dad said something to me that it was, okay, it's not going to be exactly verbatim, but your dad, when I got all dressed up in this tux, your dad's like, Ah, it's nice that you see uh, see you in some other clothes. I must have been some, you know, a, a reference to my, uh, you know, um, I guess a, pol- check out a, a, a polite way of saying I'm a slob. A no. and he's like, maybe you should go lay naked by the river and have the rats eat the ticks off of you. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've met your dad like three times and he's telling me to lay by the river to have the rats eat the ticks off me. Something like, it's nice to see you out of the woods. Now go lay by the river naked. What? That's terrible. And then we ended up going down by the river where... You got naked. That's why you were naked. 
No, that's not exactly the, the truth. But remember <laughs> those two people, like the security guards, that were very uncomfortable with you going beyond a sign that says, do not go beyond this point? Yeah, but, I mean, it was – there was, like, picnic tables and stuff back there. It was. It, it was hilarious. You know – and then, like, I think I ended up like flicking like MF and the one guy. It, it was it was crazy it was, because I don't know, I don't know what they were Uber, guarding. Uber had taken over this area. That's what it was. It was like Uber headquarters for Pittsburgh, and all of a sudden it was you know Uber's very important, so they had like extra guards there, and they're like, hey, yeah, but I, invaders. I, I, I'm I'm just curious, like, what are they guarding? I have no idea. Anyways, it doesn't Government matter. Intel. The, yeah. Yeah. All the Uber Eats, all the McDonald's locations. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever it did is. You see that me- did you see that meme with the guy that was holding the Uber Eats bag in the public bathroom? That like he was sitting there. You could see his sneakers and his pants down. Yeah, and- he was he was going to number two. Yes, and it was like under the stall and you could see Uber Eats. And it was like, yeah, think before you eat. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. I've, I'll never, ever do that. Ever. No. But it's... I mean, you don't really. I mean, this town is so behind in technology and everything that Uber Eats would probably not even be around until like 2030 here. Yeah. Vance still thinks imagine. that the place that he has uh, lived in two different houses is still being a uh, horse-drawn carriage and oil lamps on the street. It pretty much is. I mean, I'm not. I'm not kidding you. I've had my truck in the shop for like seven, six months. It, it, it's insane. Uh, again, I got that truck back today. Okay. And you know that deer that I I ran over. Yes. Well, I told them that they needed to do the alignment because I felt the truck tracking to the left, the side that the deer crushed. Back into the left. Back and to the left, back and to the left, mm-hmm. and they ne- they never aligned it. So I got into in the truck and like was driving it today, and might as well have been driving in England because it just <laughs> wanted to be in the other other friggin' lane. So I had to take it all the way back for them to align it. They're like, "Oh, we forgot that," and huh. they for and they they missed a bunch of s- scratches that were still on it. I was so, like, here's like a, a deer. Here's where the deer hit again. And they were like, oh, we'll have to reschedule you for that. I'm like, just give me my truck. I, we're done. So how many different trucks have you been in? Ten. Like literally I'm ten? Literally ten, yeah. Now, two of them were from that National Park tour I did. Okay. One was a Ram 1500. The other one was a Ford F-150. But... So 10 total, but eight from the dealer. <laughs> one of which I threw a big bloody deer in. I mean, these trucks were terrible. Like the one I, I look, the one they have like a strict no pet and no smoking policy. And that thing stunk of cigarettes like crazy. And wet dog, right? It smelled like, like a 1970s Steeler basement. I got in there and people were just, here we go. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and it was uh it just it i i actually had ozonics the truck 
<laughs> their rental truck, the one that no one cares about. Yeah, I I I, I was onyxed it because when I was getting in there, I was just like, man, I'm like nasty. I'm stinking. You know, it was, it was bad. But so anyway, they're used to horse-drawn carriage here, not big trucks. So you expect anyway. Anyways, we we left the uh, high security Uber bridge. And we, we went up the road exactly 200 feet, and we broke into a tire yard. Which was neat. It was neat. I, I love big tires. They, uh, they just reminded me of my childhood, kind of get excited to see an excavator, a big dump truck, a bulldozer. I thought you were referring to uh, rolling them down the hill across a busy highway. And the, Yeah, we know my history with tires. I've done that. How about the Very, ones that were at the end of your driveway that waste management would not pick up? Oh, and I tried to Hi. disguise them <laughs> <laughs> with the nose and mustache. <laughs> this is my mannequin. <laughs> this isn't a tire. This is a man. <laughs> his name. His name is Dunlap. <laughs> his name is Michelin. Very Carlisle. Yeah, very, very good. So we were in this tire yard, and these tires were like off of big loaders. We're talking like, I don't know, 30, 36-inch wide tires stacked. These things have to weigh 1,500 pounds apiece, and they had us crawling all over these. And what what I would consider to be expensive clothing, and I opted not to climb up in there because of expensive clothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we broke into that. Uh, I asked the um, photographer, and I said, "Do we have permission to be here? Because there's like a locked chain link gate that we happen to go around." And she says, "Well, I scouted this place yesterday, and the gate was open, so I thought it'd be okay." I said, "Did you go in and ask permission?" She goes, "I didn't expect the door to be locked." So that was indication that they probably didn't want us in there oh yeah so there was there was that going down after that thinking that okay so let's just run down two of the three places that we took this bus to that we were pounding rap music um extremely loud do you remember that vance getting hazy at that point yes because we had to Todd was in charge of the cooler. He was in the middle of this like party bus and he just kept passing them back to you. Everyone that was more loud. I was the guy that was sitting in the front. I was the nerd, but I had to make sure people's phones were not getting lost as they were plugging them in so they could come off their playlists, uh, through the speakers. And people would tell me to change songs and be responsible. Um, so, Stop number one, security came out. Stop number two, extreme trespassing. Stop number three involved everyone unifying as if we are social justice warriors. We stopped traffic on the bridge. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. So we could have photographs. We literally went out in the middle of the streets. Yeah to stop traffic and then when enough traffic backed up we had to run off like rats let it go we also we also uh drank in public there you might have i did not okay um 
but there Might was that. Yes, that's absolutely true. I um, we were popping champagne bottles and stuff. That was not me. Um, no, but can you were the muscle security? I had to be. So we did all these like crazy shots of like walking and turning and pretend you're a dragon, like Starsky and Hutch stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, the funny thing is, is another bus come pulling up with another wedding party. And all of a sudden it was like West Side Story. We're like, this is our bridge. That's right. When you're a jet, you're a jet <laughs> till the end from your first cigarette to your, I forget the rest. I'm surprised you know that much. Yeah. So we had that going down and then like we kind of set the trend as those people were trying to do the same thing. Um that other wedding. I actually party. knew those people. That was the I crazy thing there. is you yes. Um and yeah, you guys were like exchanging high school credentials. Oh yeah. I pulled out my diploma. Because you carry it with you. I've seen it before. Oh, all the time. So we did that, then we got back to this big fancy hotel, loud music playing. Um, expensive food and what do we have like crazy hats or something we had to wear in just a whole bunch of silliness and uh, I have videos of Vance probably not understanding uh, everything that was going on uh, I believe at one point you misplaced your shoes you could, oh yeah you could not find where your shoes were Lubas red bottoms man what a day. Yes. So that was the wedding in a nutshell. Um, so that, that kicked that up. So we, this, this was, it required extensive planning and the business had to go on. I carried my weight. You did during that time. You were, uh, so you, you had that all taken care of. Then you went on, an extended honeymoon just to get back and kick it and in then, the ranger. Yeah. And that, that's when, uh, you know, we had that crazy podcast of me trying to get up there. Remember that? Yes. You, you did like the Austin powers stuck with the, uh, yeah. Golf I couldn't cart get out of the garage a hundred million times. Yeah. You, I screwed uh, my driveway was messed up because of the tire marks on it. Um, but the best part was, is you could not find your leaders. So you stayed an extra night at your house only to go up and find what leaders where at in the camper. So they were there the whole time, whole time. So you jacked around, drove around the city a little bit, pulling the boat just to put it back in. Mm -hmm. I also forgot my wallet and all that stuff. That was, that's how I started this musky season um it was balls to the wall very unorganized um at least in my mind you know you feel unorganized i'm gonna feel that in four months again you feel like you're not ready but in all reality it took some lines you're ready to go you know we could hook our boats up right now and go musky fishing um, but there's still that anticipation, uh, that's a bit uneasy when you, when you first start your season, you know, um, and I just hit the ground running, uh, with, with the season. 
and I never stopped until I was, um, till it was illegal to fish. So, um, we could break this down and. Well, okay. Well, we, we kind of started, you know, we, we hit briefly on show season, which we talked about earlier in the year. We talked about May. So you find your leaders up there the first day. And found my leaders. Here you go. Ready, set, your, go. It's day one. It's day one. We always talk about it. It's casting. You know, up at Chautauqua, we cannot wait to get out there and look at those weeds and start fishing. Were they there? And they were not there. Wow. Wow. I had plans to, um, I had plans to, uh, get on the lake the day before I did not. Um, so I just kind of went, uh, with history. Okay. On my opening day. Layman's terms. You winged it. I winged it. Okay. And, um, so I go, I go off of history and I, I hit some spots up early in the day. And we're casting. We saw fish here and there, um, but I was not liking it. And at this point, um, in the day, uh, I was just like, "Man, this is good. I do not like to see see this. I want to see bushy weeds, you know, pond weeds. I want to see clarity with a bit of stain. That's perfect conditions." Um, and I want to see fish in the bag. Uh, that's what these clients booked me for. That you know they know about the casting in the early season. We always talk about it, you know. Um, but this early season was a bit different in the uh, early hours of it. So I kind of, um, I, I was a bit down, and I started, you know, saying like, you know, I should have came out yesterday. I should have pushed it. And found some weeds, you know, uh, that that held some fish, but should have, could have, would have, right? Um, but you didn't. No. So I end up. There's a ton of people fishing in this area too. Uh, well, some people know the program by now. We blab it out all the time. Um. And I said, you know what? The heck with us. And I drove to complete. I drove 18 miles away and fished um and not many people were there there were some pan fishermen not a lot of musty guys um and we salvaged that the day by making an on the water switch um and winging it essentially now the areas we were casting they had sprayed the weeds this was a really really uh it was a a, a heavily sprayed year they killed all the weeds in one of the basins they sprayed them all last year it was 150 foot from shore to the weeds this year it was take them all out um so that i something to do with that opening day um and i completely abandoned it and we ended up having a good day. We got 10 fish casting uh, in a short amount of time. And I was pretty happy about it. And, uh, you know, felt confident for the days to, days to come, you know, for ca- the people that want to cast. So we always say that, you know, we'll always have some places to cast in our back pocket throughout the season. 
But generally, June and October are our favorite months to cash. So you got a bunch of people, you got 30 straight days of clients, full days, and you know, some five to nines mixed into there. If your casting is put that after the first day, second day that week, you know, you're staring at 30 more other charters and you're just like, man, these guys want to cast. And I'm, I really have to put something together here uh, to, to make these people happy, you know? So I, I was a bit nervous there uh, in that first half of that opening day and what I saw. Um, but you know, it's just first day nerves. And, you know, once you get one and get one in the bag, you're like, okay, all right, we're good. We can do this. Now, the area that they sprayed, Mm -hmm. did those weeds ever come back later? No. Like never? No. They were terrible. I mean, they were just black and goopy and trying to grow and just never really turned into a nice uh, habitat. You know, they did hold fish at some points, but it was nothing like, Hey, I'm going to fish here for a week uh, with clients style. Uh, so uh, yeah, that, that definitely put a hurt on cast early. Uh, I had to find a completely different spot. Um, and that, that first week in May there, we, we, uh, we banged them up pretty good casting uh, in a completely different part of the lake. And, uh, you know, that was that, that was, that was the first, uh, that was the first week. It was, it was pretty exciting. Okay. So then we kind of break down the, the way I understand, like the seasonal change at Chautauqua is it's casting in what we call the early season fades into the summer trolling. Then it kind of goes into a, a mixed bag of casting trolling in the fall. Mm-hmm. And so pretty much the casting season, do you feel it was short lived? Do you feel you hopped into trolling faster? Do you feel that you, you know, very, t- yeah, it was very, very short lived. And let me explain some of the weeds that I was looking at. So in this first month, I'm dealing with weeds completely gone in, in historic areas that we've always done very well, well in gone relation is now sand in Chautauqua Lake. So you go in there and cast, you'd catch a muskie, you'd catch a walleye, you'd catch a largemouth, you'd catch a gar, you'd catch a bullhead. And it was, you know, stuff that's like really annoying stuff that's like, I got one and it's a bass and I'm just like, Oh Jesus. And the people are like, well, it's a big bass. And I'm like, get that off the hook. No, we're leaving. Get this. I can't, I can't do that with, with with a good, uh, it's like a, you know, a clear heart, eyes and mind and heart and all that stuff that you need. Uh, I just, like these people are paying me and they're seeing the uh, entire ecosystem, uh, you know, I'm not, this isn't worm and bobber fishing or catch whatever hits. So that's what happened. That's what made me leave. Now I go and look at these new weeds. Okay. That I, that I found, they are beautiful. They're growing off the bottom. You can get up into like 10, nine, eight foot of water and work a glider and work a jerk bait over them. 
pretty much with ease. It's just like casting an open basin, but there's vegetation under the boat everywhere. So it didn't matter if you cast it out the back, the side, the front, everybody had a good shot. You know how people think they're back boated and all this stuff. Um, but so we were, I was in that and it didn't matter where I started the drift, you know, it was real, it was really neat to see that. And the fish were coming in from every depth because these weeds were just kind of growing off the bottom and the fish were come, they were just kind of floating around and, you know, meandering through these, uh, these weeds that were growing probably at like three foot and you're in like 10 to eight, you know, so they're, it's like three foot off the, the bottom and you can see them at points and uh they're really beautiful uh cabbage pondweed uh stuff that i like to stuff that i like to see not so much milfoil where that's like very choky um and it's just uh, when i see pondweed i always think it's more fishy than the the more choked out stuff because fish just it seems like they can sit in there move their way around and kind of ambush better uh ambush prey better out of a pondweed rather than something that's choked out. You know? Now, is pondweed the actual real name of the of the weed? I'm not a weed expert. I'm, you know, I, I, it's just what I call it. There's what? Milfoil, and I call the other stuff cabbage. You know, I'm not a, a biologist by any means in, in the uh, aquatic life, but... Um, milfoil looks like a shrub essentially and it feels like one when you when you hook into them uh, it almost feels like a fish when you hit it um it's a it has a higher density higher very, stem count very 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 thick so i'm looking at this beautiful pondweed and uh naturally it's, it's growing you know throughout throughout these weeks and i'm like okay it's to the surface now i have to get more edge oriented right mm-hmm. well Okay, so I'll fish the edge. I start going back, and the stuff that's getting that's growing in there, it's overcoming this cabbage, is straight grass. Is it like it's, angel hair grass? It's like angel hair grass, but it's like five foot long. It's huge, and it never shakes off hooks. Never shakes. And I'm like, that is not good. That's not ex- what I expected. I, I, you would expect these, this cabbage to grow up to the surface, not to get taken over by an invasive weed. And then j- just, I mean, it, it's, it looks like grass that you would cut with a lawnmower, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that happened. And uh, now this is happening all over the space. I'm, that I'm fishing. Now I have to search again. These people want to cast, right? And I'm like, they're not coming out of the grass. They're somewhere, but they were pushed out because of the, this. The area was choked. I have to put something together. Um, do I go back to the one basin that has absolutely nothing, and we catch a bass and a and a gar and a walleye and all that stuff do i do that and say well we'll get them next time or do i adapt on the fly and say this is not going to work what i want to do is not going to happen you just have to you have to uh 
you have to take it. it doesn't go the way the, the way that you want. You got you got to adapt, and you got to be ready for for whatever. So, um, that led to that early season casting to be very short lived for me. We caught some very nice fish. We caught a lot of fish, um, but it halted very quickly. Uh, and, and that was kind of a downer for me. So that pushed me into trolling. And that's, you know, by this time, like, you know, I would talk to clients and explain to them, like, look, guys, this is what's happening on the lake right now. We can go and do this, but we're probably going to have a better shot at getting them this way. People, some people would listen to the guide. Some people wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? So I would, I would say, hey, let's start the day off trolling. Let's try to get a couple real quick. What was interesting about this trolling in the early season um, is that I was trolling in spots I've never done before, uh, that I've never really, that never focused, uh, focused on. Um, but it, it all came back to those fish being high, in the shallows, kind of just. Uh, it, it, right above those weeds and then them getting choked out. They got pushed out. They're somewhere. So now you're in a basin, you're in deep water and uh, you know, a mile up there is, is your weed edge, which is grass. Let's put some lines out and troll. Well, the way that I was doing it um, and, and I, I did this, but you know, when you set a spread with six, eight you can experiment and we talk about it all the time experiment with a style of lore a depth of lore you know where they are in the water column for about a month period um i was catching fish in this june uh, period this june month trolling uh it's like five foot of lineup leaders out on down rods five ten foot of line up on the out rods on the planers very very short these fish were so high that it's amazing that they didn't get ran over and propped more often okay i want to um, make sure I'm, I'm understanding this so you're saying as this cabbage was getting choked out by this grass you moved out into the basin in deeper water or were you still trying to hug that edge I was in deep water. Okay, so you're you're moving out more open water off of those those dense weed beds, looking for off fish. Of the, yeah, okay. off of the dense weed beds, but like miles away from it because it. Chautauqua Lake has some very deep holes in it, and you know, like good consistent depth in the one basin of like 15 feet, and the other ones like a 30, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. There's holes all over the place. But so I'm away from these the, the, these uh, these weed edges, but I am very very high in the water column. I'm not marking anything high. I'm not marking bait high. The bait's on the bottom, and I can get a deep rod to go off. Fifteen foot down, twenty foot down. That's about the max we'll troll on Chautauqua Lake. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, and it's a bit baffling at that point to, to, to figure that out because, you know, you 
we always talk about how you have to trust what your graph is telling you, you know, there's bait on the bottom. Where, where do you think you would put your first couple baits at, you know, stick them down there. Mm -hmm. That was not the case at all. It was, you pro if, if I stood on the back of my boat the whole time, you probably could have seen these fish swimming around and you probably could have seen them strike. Um, that's how high they were. Um, and we had some really, really, uh, great days, big fish, um, post spawn, uh, style females hit, which was really cool. You could, you could pick these fish up and when you would go to put them on the bump board, you would, they would, their bellies would kind of concave and you could see where they, you know, they just released all those eggs and stuff. Uh, they're cause you know, they go from being like really distended to having nothing. Um, and, and it just looked like flabby skin, you know, you're like, oh man, this thing's, you know, 25, 30 pounds now. It probably, you know, maybe a week ago it was 35, maybe 40, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but so that, that was happening a lot, uh, in that early June, um, and, and even into late June. Um, and it was nice to pat, to put together that pattern. And I kind of uh, hit it perfect. I, I was able to uh, cast for them for as long as I could. Got lucky. Uh, we had some great doing that. And then a halt because of the conditions of the water. And I went out and trolled and had to put something together. And um, I did. And so... I had, I, I timed it up very, very good. And that all comes with being on the water every day. You can figure something out like that. Lots of happy people, uh, lots of double digit days. It was fantastic. Um, and there's a time in the season that I always, that there's a, there's a big transition, you know, usually June is pretty easy. We're casting. It's done. You know, there's a holiday that happens. And I always say that that's like when this, this lake switches and it goes into a hangover state. It's really tough to put a pattern together for about a week. Um, Why do you think that the, is? Uh, it has to do with all the pressure on the lake, not from fishermen, but just boats. Boats being on the lake. You get the July 4th holiday. This one, I think, was it extend? I don't. It, it always seems to be extended. You know, it's either with people, you know, want that week off, or if it go, if it's on a Thursday, you got people taking the third off, and then you have, you know, people are off on the Wednesday, the Friday, and then they got the whole weekend to just drive all through the lake, you know. Um, and that I think puts uh, just stirs up the fish. Um, and it, it changes a lot of things. So it, at this point, the holiday's coming. I'm still running short lines. You get them uh, doing that. And now there's boats zooming all over the place. And my short line bite is gone. Done. Completely gone. So then you're rebuilding. So I'm rebuilding. I'm back to, I have to make an adjustment. What do I do? You know, man, I really, uh, like we banged them up with, 10 foot of line out what you know what where am i going to go now you know well you um, can't go any shorter 
you can't go any shorter. And the other things that are happening is those the famous Chautauqua weeds start coming out when there's a lot of people on the lake. Uh, so, so once did, the, okay. So what you're describing is with all the boat traffic, everyone's driving in shallow waters. Not everyone. A lot of boat traffic all over the lake. But even in the weedy bays, there's props that are just ripping weeds up and cutting weeds, and those weeds float up to the top, and now you're dealing with a lot of weed growth that is now floating randomly throughout the lake, and you start to play the wind. Absolutely. Start to play the wind because you want the wind to push those weeds under one side of the lake or the other, you know, so you'll have, if it's blowing West, if it's blowing from the West, then you would imagine the Eastern side would be completely weeded up and the Western shoreline would probably be pretty nice to fish. You know, um, if it's blowing from the North fishing South would be terrible. Fishing North would probably be cleared up. Right. Makes sense. So, that's that's what I, I drew off of. You know, you try to play um, for the, these week the the week of the holiday and the week after because it's those those weeds are still all over the place. Um, you try to play off a of wind direction, um, and there was uh, there was a, a famous flat in Chautauqua Lake. It's called Mayville. Um, and Mayville, there was there was a transition of a uh, recreational uh, concert venue thing uh, where people take their boats up and blah blah blah. It used to be in Bemis Point, but they put it up on this flat. Mayville Flat is about four to five inches, or four to five inches, four to five feet deep, and it's about a. It sticks out for a mile, and it essentially covers that whole northern part of the lake very shallow um that's where this concert venue was so pretty much every weekend like thursday through sunday you would have hundreds of boats up in there driving around uh, you know hooting and hollering having, having a good time um cutting up those weeds that i were ta- was talking about uh where these grassy weeds and um and, and very dense dense weeds would uh be getting cut up well, this is all the way at the northern part of the lake. And the, and the way the northern part of Chautauqua Lake sits, it's, it's pretty north and south. And the southern basin is essentially west to east, so kind of like dog legs. But from that northern section, there's tons of weeds up there. Maybe 25% of the weeds in the lake are up there. You know? Maybe even like 50% at this point because the whole southern basin is blown is, has been killed off, you know. So all those weeds are getting chopped up every weekend and it would affect the whole, it would affect the whole 10 miles of the lake would come all the way down the lake. These floaters, they would go all the way up the lake. They would come down, they would go up. There was a lot of crazy weather in those first couple months, a lot of different winds here and there. We went through three tornadoes uh, in June and July. Um, so, a lot of funky weather going on, uh, which made for <clears throat> days. What I patterned uh, during this time, I kind of got into my summer mode. What I what I did last year when I was do- having good success was um, 
it was related. It was depth related. Okay. So I'm, I'm putting together something again with, with depth. Uh, I was getting fish. Let's just say at 10 feet down in 30 foot of water or something like that. Uh, so that was consistent. That's where they were laying. That's where I was getting them every day. But I would get them for like a couple days and then it would be gone and I'd have to search again. And that made, that made it frustrating. When you look at my books, it would go like 10 fish, eight fish, 12 fish, two, one, 10, eight, nine, one, two, 10, you know, so it was like that. So I had to, I would put together this like pattern and it was depth related and you would bang them up for a couple of days and then boom, done. And then I would, I would have to search. Now they would be in the same depth, these fish, but they might be three miles away. It's some different area. Do you think it was the same fish or just different fish getting active? I, I think it was different fish. Okay. I, I, with, with a healthy body of water, I think it was different fish. You know, They might have been there the whole time, but they certainly were moving somewhere. Uh, because if I was at, you know, crushing them in an area uh, for a couple of days, and then it was just... The proper clips. term is banging fish baby. Mm. Banging fish baby and in some areas. And then, you know, so... That was that was annoying. You know, you would go out and have these unbelievable days and then be ready to go and then would just get your butt kicked for a couple uh, while I was like, you know, progressing through the lake and going up the lake or down the lake. And then you put in all the variables of the weeds that hurt, too, in some of those some of those days. And sometimes you can't fish the areas you want because of the weeds, you know, just you can't set a line. You can't sit down. You can't concentrate on your on on a contour, anything like that. When when it gets that that weedy, um, but that's what was happening to me. Mm-hmm. Consistent consistent depths where I was getting fish, but they seemed to leave or just become completely inactive in that area and be active in somewhere three miles away, but the same depth. Didn't matter how deep the water was. You were chasing schools. How it was, yeah, it, it, it was how deep my, my plugs were. Um, that was that was interesting. That lasted um, all the way through early fall, essentially. Early fall being. September, mid September, late September, October. I was October, like October. September first, acts first. more like August now. It seems. Mm-hmm. You get those really nice days, you know. No horrible days, like yeah. ninety degree days in September. I have yeah. a photo to prove it. Three hundred fifty miles south of here. But another uh, another thing, <laughs> another thing that was nice uh, about this summer with all this weather fluctuation is the water temperature never really uh, stayed consistently high um, for, you know, for fish mortality and stuff like that. There was like a period of two weeks where it got pretty warm. 
Um, but it, it cooled down quick, which made for, for very good fishing. Um, and that, that's always, always nice. Um, but that, like I said, that pattern, the, de- the, the lure depth was key. Um, and they were just crushing Baker lures. For were me. they crushing front hooks? Mm-hmm. Okay. Big time. Big time. So you chased you you were chasing schools for three solid months, let's say, mm-hmm. and then the water started to uh, take a turn for the for the cooler part. For the cooler part, yes, and it's October now, and we're excited to, uh, like I said, we're excited to cast. Um, and. Let me think about my best days in October casting. I had a I had a a week of like I had a week that I casted well in October, <clears throat> where you just think that it's gonna all it, the, you, you wait for the a light switch to you know flick on. Okay, yeah, it's gonna they're gonna cast now. It's it's time to get them casting. What I usually judge is I follow bait. You got to follow bait in that in the lake um perch fishermen where are they are you seeing balls of bait off the weed edges in shallow water are you seeing perch in the weeds in the shallow water are you seeing perch boats pulling up two perch at a time you know that would that me to get back into the weeds and start casting again that happened for a week. It was very, very short-lived. And I have no idea why. Um, very disappointed in it. I, you know, We love to cast for them. We love to use the raptors. Uh, we we grind, grinded some good days out in, uh, in October. But like I said, it was only for a week or two it wasn't it wasn't solid you know so it made me it made me go back to trolling again so you're out there trolling dirty in october mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you pretty much grind the rest of the season out driving the boat around uh yeah through october uh and and the fish were still coming completely different part of the lake um still depth related but uh they were hitting trolling. I'm just like, you know, you, you can't, you can't just abandon it. You can't stop. Once you have something good and you're running a business and you want people to catch fish, it would be a good idea to continue that. So that's what I did. I mm-hmm. just kept trolling. They, they, they weren't stopping again, crushing Baker lures. Um, and sometime in this mix, you got a new boat. Uh-huh. Which was later, like September, October, right about the time we're talking. October. October. Switch yeah. up the boats. Did that have Switch. any impact on it? Um. No. I mean, some people are superstitious. I, I mean, I, I bring that up. Some people are very superstitious when it comes to that stuff. Other people, not so much. Some people, um, I don't want to say it, like some people. The sound of engines, different sounds. Someone might say that this motor sound, I tend to catch more fish with with this motor running as opposed to that motor running. You didn't notice anything weird 
Uh, not that there would have been, but you know, superstition no. and other stuff, it didn't really seem to affect it. Not on inland lakes, you know. I, I'm not too superstitious on inland lakes, you know. If I'm in the Georgian Bay, you know, if you talk to people on the rivers, Ottawa, St. Lawrence, stuff like that, they're very sound oriented. And it's very sneak attack like it points uh, for them to get those big fish up there. But on inland bodies of water, I don't think it matters. Okay. So you're in the new boat. You're out there trolling. Same exact thing. The nice thing about the new boat is I had everything there. You know, there was nothing different about it. It just had, uh, you know, Mercs on it instead of Yamaha's and I could go faster. Um, and that, uh, that Merc kicker is pretty nuts too. That fuel injected one is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had all that ready to go. I had uh, the Bimini. Every, everything was the same. I had planned to have this boat, and Vix was very generous in getting all this stuff uh, ready for me and trailering it to the canvas shop. So essentially, I could just hop right into this thing and not miss a day in the water. Um, they did all that for me, which was fantastic. Um, so I had like one transition day, but I, with a very, uh, understandable client, um, to switch out the boats and I'm like, Hey, this is a new boats. First time I'm going to be in it. Uh, you know, let's see what happens. Um, and it's just like new, you know, the thing was broken in, in a couple of days you get blood all over it. Poop this time of year. It was October. Uh, got very dirty, very fast. Mm-hmm. Very good. But so like the fall fishing was, it was, it was good. You know, the, the casting didn't last as long as I wanted it to. Um, but I was able to put something together trolling. What was consistent throughout this whole season was the ability to adapt on the water at any given time, to put the pattern together, uh, which was lore depth relation. Um, you know, how deep my plugs were running. Could have been all anywhere on the lake. They were hitting that plug at that depth consistently. So I didn't have to change much there. It was just I had to search for locations of where these fish were. And that's where I had, uh, you know, those days when you would, you know, get one or two um, and, you know, make for really bad days. Not bad days, you know, but. Any day you get a muskie is good, uh, but those were the those were struggling, very 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 taxing days. But when when you're searching, I hate searching, and there was a lot of searching going on this season. But once you found them, it was lights out, and then it would literally go like boom, lights out, done, gone. It darkness, silence. Why is this happening? How does, does it make sense? They were just here. Now they're gone. I, where am I going to go now? Because I'll just keep the lines in the water and drive until one goes off. Okay. I'm going to turn around. It went off again. Okay. I'm going to stay in this area for a while. Trolling's like the same way you do it with a weed bed. You know, it's like you catch them from in a quarter mile. You know, that's where the most activity is. You try to hit that up, you know, you start your drift way ahead of it, see nothing, and then boom, you hit this, like, little patch, and that's where the fish are. Uh, 
that's that's <laughs> can relate to trolling that way too. Um, but that's what was going on. Year of searching. Year of searching, and then that... so and so I got to do this fall fishing, you know, but I got to fish November a, de- a decent amount, and this is pretty foreign to us because at this point you. In November, the past couple of years, you know, we might be able to get one or two weeks of okay fishing in. Um, and it, it, you know, you're out there for one fish, you know. This is, this November was like the winter. Um, the water was very cold. In the 30s, cold, freezing. Mm hmm. Freezing outside, freezing in the water, um, but you know, with the bimini and the full enclosure, a little buddy heater, felt like paradise in the cab. Um, and it allowed me to be on the water for uh, a longer time. And like I said, this was completely new to me because I never got to fish this late. Well, some fishing along, you know, same tactics. Weeds are shot. I'm out there thinking, you know, we're never going to catch anything. Why am I out here? It's freezing. It sucks. Um, and the fish were active. Very, very active in, in the November months. Um, and it was super neat. But what happened in uh, in the first couple of weeks in November, we were getting a lot of bites. And they were getting and I always think like, man, in the fall, it's a bite a day. One bite. Are you going to get it? You know, are you going to get the fish? You're going to get an opportunity probably, but it, I don't know if it's going to stay on or not. But these fish were biting. But the uh, hookup, the, you know, to getting them in my net was not good. They would hit and they would get off. So I had to make an adjustment. And uh, after lots of trial and error, I figured that, you know, my drags were pretty tight. They were pretty consistent with what I was running in the summer. And I think that that's why I wasn't having uh, the, you know, landing ratio that I'm accustomed to having throughout the season uh, in this month. And like I said, it was no, it was new to me. It was like learning all over again um, and how these fish were responding. Um, so, I had these tight drags. I'm like, you know what the hell with this? I'm going to like, I'm going to treat these fish as if I'm casting alone. And what I do when I cast alone, if I hook a fish, I'll like spin the drag back and just let the fish play itself a little bit and not horse it in. Um, and then like, you know, get the net or the boga, the boga ready for a release. Do you do that Andy at all? Uh, that's how I fight all of my fish, and exactly. uh, it's very anticlimactic. As soon as I know I get you know a a good solid hook into it, that drag goes all the way back to where you can just spin the handle and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. I almost need to put my thumb on the spool, and then I'll just like lightly pull up, reel up the slack, put my thumb back on the spool. Just I want to be able myself. And you surprisingly do not lose that many fish doing that. However, it's the wimpiest battle you've ever had. <laughs> right. It, it, it is. It is. But it's 
it's smart in a way. If if you want to put one in the net, like trying to rip it into the boat in in a couple seconds, like a Bassmaster tournament guy, is not the way to do it. Hmm. No, I mean, like you you can do it. It it, it points like when say. You know, that fish hits, boom, you get that, that, that hook set into it. You can turn that fish if you give, give it pressure and have it come at you and you're reeling, 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 and then it's flipping out at the boat, going diving on you and stuff like that. If you have a good net man, you can get that fish turned and brought to you pretty quick, casting and it in the net very fast. Uh, you know, it happens that way. But if you do hog it and that fish is fighting and head shaking and stuff, there's a good chance it's going to get off. Uh, that's why we always play that drag on it. You know, there people think they're great whites and stuff, but it still comes down to hooks and drag and line and all that stuff. They're still just a fish. Yeah, once you get those hooks in them, like the lightest pressure will keep them in them, and they're like they're like a dog on a leash. The harder mm-hmm. you pull back, the harder they're going to pull forward. So if you barely even pull on them, they sometimes just lay there like a giant garbage bag. And you, you can get them in without them even, like, flicking their tail. And you can it's just true. scoop them. Like I said, it's yep. not exciting at all. But if <clears> you want a photo, and that fish is not, like, going to be completely exhausted, I mean, other than the initial head shake, you, you kind of get caught up with the rod tip, and then you can just, like, spin that thing back and be like, yeah, la, la, la. And if the wind's right, you're going to drift right into them. You don't even have to move them. Just yeah. slightly pick them up. And it, it's not, it's not a hard fight on the fish, as you said. You know, no, they literally fight. will lay there. They will just they, I mean, they suspend yeah. there, I should say. But yeah, I, I that's the way I do it. Mm-hmm. Not a bad way. And this dawned on me uh, in these freezing temps. Um, and and things happen when you fish in, in these in these winter months. This was winter fishing. This was this was past fall. You got to winter fish on Chautauqua Lake uh, in November and because of how cold it was. And when it's cold, things happen. You know, drags don't respond uh, when they're out there being ran in the water and there's ice build up on them. They tend to tighten up on themselves or you think you have to tight, tight so much, you know, but then it, it loosens itself. Just being frozen. Uh Definitely messes with those drags on on the convectors that I use. So I'd like I'd have it set really like summer tightness, and then I'd go out there and I'd pull it and I'd be like, Jesus, this thing is like super tight. You know that no one like I probably like broke the fish's face off. Uh, so I was like, I'm just gonna let these things take this bait, see what happens. Cause I'm sitting, this is getting frustrating now. I can't, we're out here freezing our took us off and we're missing fish. It gets very annoying after a while, especially in the fall. You know, I always think if it gets off, that was our chance. We're screwed. You, you don't know, you know? So I would, I was loosening my drag so loose in this, in these winter months, I was loosening the drag so much that, the lure itself would take out line, tick, 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 tick. And I'd give that drag of the final click. So it wouldn't take out line. And that's how I set my drags. 
Can you elaborate on that at all to make that more fluent, Andy? Okay, so what Vance would do is he would set his lines out. Uh, he'd open up the spool, let the line out. He'd, he'd then close up the spool. And he would loosen the drags to where just the resistance of the bait, you know, the, of the boat driving forward and the bait diving would actually start peeling drag. And then he would take it a skosh tighter than the, like the last, okay, I get a click every few seconds here. I'll go a little bit more, not a half a turn more, a little bit just beyond what's necessary to have that thing hold the line on the spool and not peel out from the baits drive you know just from the driving of the baits very true and once i figured this out the uh hookup ratio was a lot better it, it was like up into the 90 percentile uh the fish were staying on what was very cool to see about this is when every fish sounded big because the line was very loose. The drag was very loose, obviously. Um, so everything sounded big. Um, and have the clients fighting them and not gaining anything on them. And essentially, I would, I would, you know, try to have the boat drift back to it. Or if we were going with the wind, you kill that motor completely. And I would just let them keep cranking. The fish would take line, and they'd just keep cranking. They were barely gaining on them until we would get, you know, up close to them where the fish would swim to you a little bit. And it was unique to see how these fish were hooked. I wanted them to take the drag, essentially, and take that bait and just swim around with it. You know, I didn't want any resistance on them because it wasn't working. And when I would go to net these things, uh, they were very still, very lethargic. They would stay down at the boat and they would like pull their heads up. And once they would see that net and boat and they, they kind of finally realized they were hooked when we could see them and they could see a boat or whatever, you know, whatever they see, they didn't realize they were hooked until it was like net time. And when that happened, you would start seeing these like devastating, like really slow, big, powerful shakes of the head, mouth wide open. And it usually had one single hook in it, uh, penetrated through, through either like the bottom mandible up through the beak. And usually when I see that, I'm like, Oh crap, you know, that fish is going to get off. Mm -hmm. Um, but because of the drag and uh, kind of the, you know, anticlimactic fight. And you're just kind of like reeling in a pile of a garbage rocks. Bag. Yeah. The, the hook stayed in. And, and probably part of that is when, when you're hammering on the fish and it has one hook in the beak or something or, or one hook somewhere else, there's a lot of pressure on a very small area and that fish will work that hole to get bigger as the fight, you know, progresses. When you play these things out very softly, none of that happens. So it's still a tight hole holding still, onto the hook for the most part. Still for the most part. Yes. Uh, 
in the summer though, I, I still think you're at a disadvantage. It's a lot harder to net a fish in the summer, uh, because their, their, uh, metabolism is up They're They're more active. They're faster, almost, you know, really filled with piss and vinegar, very wild. Um, so you, you lose a lot, but in the fall winter with how lazy and just a big bag of garbage they are, I think that's the way you got to fight them. Uh, and that's how I'll continue to do it. If I'm blessed with the, being able to fish in the winter, it was almost like ice fishing. You know, they would get to the boat and it's like, they would be right down through the hole. You know, you could, you could see that fish and then it would start to come up. Um, really, really neat stuff to see the clients enjoyed that. I really enjoyed seeing it. Uh, that fish kind of in slow motion doing those big, crazy left and right head shakes. Uh, it was really neat. And when they would get in the bag, the hook would come out so easy. I just had to put a, uh, a set of pliers on it and just work it back out. Mm-hmm. Didn't really have to cut. They were just, they were off, you know. And that's when, like, I really had, <clears throat> you know, the light bulb go off to say, like, yeah, I had to drag way too tight on these things uh, early on. Yeah, uh, you might have been working that hole open. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're not dealing with like a dumpster fire of hooks in their mouth. You're dealing with a point, maybe two. Yep. Yep. So that was, that was really neat. And, uh, that winter fishing was unbelievable. Every day we went out in November, we got a big one, uh, 46 and up for us. Uh, that 46 is a big fish on Chautauqua. Uh, there was a 44 incher that was 32 pounds that we caught the weirdest looking like this is the girthiest thing you've ever seen and with this giant head and you're like how is how is that thing like just barely 44 inches that's crazy 11 inch head Mm -hmm. big fatso hanging off the bump board and it's at 44 people would think this is a 50 incher in a picture you know yep but yeah that was a really really uh good good month uh, we did get a, a nice, like a, a true giant, one of those unicorn 40 pounders on Chautauqua Lake, uh, in that, in that late winter months, in the late winter months, um, which was great. Um, and it was nice to be able to, uh, fish, uh, in an air, in a time of year that I don't have much experience with. And again, time on the water experience you know that experience from day to day taught me something uh, and i was able to adapt and become more successful as i did it more um and i have that in my memory bank now so i can take that with me um so it was super cool and speed had a lot to do with it too i wasn't running too fast i wasn't going too slow um it was awesome excellent so is there anything else you want to do before we wrap it up or say? no, I just, uh, you know, I just want to say it was by far, I didn't think last year could be topped. We had an unbelievable year. Uh, we caught close to 700 fish on bakers alone. That was in my boat alone. Um, Todd, you know, I don't know how many he caught on bakers. We'll hear from his season wrap up, but that was the lower choice for me this year. 
that I just felt very comfortable with and was dialed in on. Um, just unbelievable year, the best I've ever had. Um, I was on the lake every day, uh, but we uh, we uh, did what we needed to do to uh, be successful. So it was fun. Perfect. All right. Well, this podcast was brought to you by Fatty Z Musky Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, St. Croix Rods, Vicks Marine, Ranger Boats, Muskies Inc. We're going to we're going to throw it back to the yo-yo up down on that one cuz Todd wasn't there to say it earlier. Very nice. I know, very nice. Baker Baits, Musky Max Plus. That's coming up in two months. Keep that one in mind. And the Oxit app. Be sure to check that out. Did I miss any of those? You're good. I think I'm good. All right, perfect. All right, guys. Um, for those of you who are still fishing, good luck. Stay warm and have a happy new year. <laughs>